Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name is Windy, and I'm joined by our tactics guy and my night nurse, Nathan E. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Hello, mate. I say night nurse because I'm definitely coming down with something, and it's not just abject misery after our defeat at Old Trafford. So I think that's probably the best place to start off. I asked some questions. I asked for some questions on Twitter post-match, and I think we've got like 45 so far. <laughs> 10 minutes ago. <laughs> th- yeah, 35 of them are basically, where was our midfield tonight? Why are we picking Winks and Sissoko? Why on earth did Winks and Sissoko still get picked in midfield? How is Sissoko still a thing? Um, so let's start there. <laughs> what did you think when you saw the lineup? Um, so, <laughs> someone sent me a reply before I saw it to say, oh, that's a really attacking lineup, before I'd actually seen it myself, and I went to look at it and went, oh, yeah, it sort of is, oh, hang on, that's a <laughs> Winks and Sissoko midfield, what is all that about? Um, I was thinking, sort of, before the lineup about what kind of approach, generally, we would have, you know, what were we going to have the, sort of, the the stereotypical Mourinho defensive approach to the game or not, and, and how the lineup did and didn't reflect that. And then sort of once it clicks that we are playing with Sissoko together, it was, um, I guess it was why first. And I think the why essentially comes to down to like, you could play either one of those with Dyer and it wouldn't be, it wouldn't have this kind of reaction at all. So the real question is why isn't Dyer playing? And I think that probably just comes down uh, to fitness, to um, him having played three games in quick succession and clearly lacking fitness in all of those, um, despite his sort of, um, I think it's fair to assume tactical importance. Um, but then sort of the counter to that would be why didn't he come on at some point? Why didn't he come on at half time, which is what I think I, mm. along with a lot of people were calling for. Um, did he not have the, the freshness to play 45 minutes? And if that's not, if you know, if it's true that he didn't have the freshness to even play 45, then why is he on the bench at all? And I, I guess the only um, counter argument to that is 
if we're 1-0 up and there's 15 minutes to go, then Eric Dyer's quite a handy sub to have to bring on and close out the game. And, you know, stranger things have happened than Mourinho being 1-0 up at a difficult away ground with 15 minutes to go. So there is kind of an argument for it, but it's it's frustrating to see a potential solution sitting on the bench unused when you're watching the midfield get ripped open over and over and over. So the, the, the weirdest thing to me about this... A couple of weird things. Firstly, the fact that I thought Sissoko played quite well um, against Bournemouth from a right-wing berth. Yeah, really well. He, he got a goal. He had an absolute nightmare last 10 minutes. But aside from that, I thought he was pretty good um, in all areas of his game. To then see him go back into a position where he's not very good and has proven to be not very good, in my opinion, over a long period of time, very frustrating. The other thing was, I suppose, the fact that he was sort of babysitting Aurier again. And we've seen him do that multiple times over the last year like covering that that right back spot but it literally left Winks as a one-man midfield at times with Pochettino at least you kind of had a diamond so other players were narrow or tucking in or dropping in and doing things we literally had Winks there and no one else at times in this match it was just seems so odd to me to to elect to to go that way against a, a Man U team you know McTominay is uh, not a perfect player but he's an imposing midfielder he's a, he's a useful midfielder and Fred I think is has been absolute garbage for United so far. But he was running it tonight, and that's because he was up against the one-man midfield at times. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> I, I will say that uh, Sissoko does do some Aurea babysitting from right wing, and also that he played in midfield for the last 20 minutes or so against mm. Bournemouth based on subs. Um, I mean, it's very clear from the four games we've had so far that, that Mourinho wants to really experiment with the lineups and, and mm. learn through the process and try people out in different positions and in different combinations. Um, to, so it, it's not a case, as I sort of jokingly suggested on Twitter, that he firmly believes in the Winks and Sissoka midfield. And you can say, OK, but why is he making an experiment like that in such a big game, etc., etc.? I think all of that is fair. Um, just, you know... Uh, that it's not like an absolutely settled on thing and that we can't analyze it from the assumption that we're going to keep seeing this midfield going forwards, mm. even though we've seen yeah. a lot of it going back. Yeah, uh, uh, way too much. Um, it's really unfortunate uh, that, that Dyer wasn't fit enough to start. We have to assume he's not fit enough to start. Uh, it does let's... for me underline, sorry, Chris, it does for me underline that, that what I've been saying all season, which is that or maybe not quite all season, but most of the season, which is that there is an issue with our squad in midfield and at fullback, which we've seen much less of recently, fair enough, to Mourinho. But there is a midfield problem that we are basically falling apart when we don't have Eric Dyer and Eric Dyer isn't fit to play full matches. But... Yeah, and, and also hasn't been consistently good for quite a long time. Um, and he, even in these three games where we've we've won with Dyer in the team, he's not been amazing. He's been he's been good. He's been okay, uh, but he's not been amazing. He's definitely not hit his best form yet. And we're kind of hoping that he will, and that continuing to play him will result in his fitness improving, his sharpness getting there, his um, his mental sharpness getting there as well. Uh, but that hasn't happened yet, and it's probably still a, a fair way off happening. Um, in terms of Dyer's fitness, we had a question a while back, actually, from uh, Hello Newman, who says, do you guys know what tactical periodization is, and can you explain it briefly? And, and you were keen to do this, Nathan. <laughs> so uh, tactical periodization is a combination of two things I'm really into, which is um, tactics, like football tactics, we know what those are, so we can come back to those later, and periodization, which is like 
Um, it's a sort of a long, scary word, but it is, um, it's what it sounds like, right? It's breaking things up into periods and it's specifically within the realm of, uh, athletic fitness. So, um, I do a lot of weightlifting and I utilize the periodization, um, uh, lens with what I'm doing. And so there is, um, short term, medium term and long term periodization. So, um, micro, miso and macro. So, um, short term, I use a three day cycle. I do upper body, lower body, then I rest. And then medium term, I'm going to continue to diversify my workload as I return from injury. And long term, I'm just going to gradually increase with occasional long rests. Uh, in a football context, that is having, um, low intensity sessions, uh, intermediate intensity sessions and high intensity sessions and then games. So four different stages there as well as rests. And so, um, when you combine the, uh, the concept of football tactics with fitness periodization, you, um, you essentially bear both things in mind at the same time the the simplification of this is like why go for a run when you can run with the ball right why get some cardio work in when you can get cardio work in at the same time as working your dribbling so your light sessions become like shape work and passing out the back patterns and your intermediate ones become like pressing patterns and your hard sessions become the sort of three five and seven decided games so that is tactical periodization and this is something that um Mourinho was very much at the spearhead of about 20 years ago um and maybe not quite that long ago 15 years ago and 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 now it, it is dominant across the majority of um elite football and i guess that's one of the reasons why um people's insistence that Mourinho will just continue to play the same first 11 over and over and over is just wrong i i mean he won't do that will he uh no, there will be rotation. So, um, Pochettino was also very much uh, a believer and practicer of tactical periodization. I think that uh, Jesus Perez was like uh, like a leading expert in in periodization. Um, but the way that that uh, staffing group worked was to absolutely at all times maximize the like athletic ceiling of our team. So they would be pushed up to but not over the the red line of when you when your muscles start to break down and deteriorate and so because of asking for greater intensity you require greater rest which means you know fullbacks not playing twice in a week Mourinho um, brings things down quite away from there which means you're, he's asking for less intensity asking mm. for less physical strength and as a result you can play twice in a week much or much more often um we, yeah, which means that we we won't anymore sort of run teams away like we we have done in the past under Pochettino. Like especially when we have the like again we go back to macro periodization, the sort of peaks of we're going to peak in December and we're going to have a fitness peak in sort of uh, March April, and that's those are the times where we've like just run teams off the pitch. We've blown them away because they couldn't keep up with us. So we won't have that anymore under Mourinho, but we may have a greater general freshness where we aren't. Um, burning out on the short term which is where you can't play twice in a week or burning out in the long term where you maybe fall off at the end of the season or or take quite a while to get warmed up to get going at the beginning of the season and and that feels like quite a sensible use for what is now an aging squad to be honest uh particularly given the fullback situation where essentially we've met with well with davis out we've got problems on the left and we already had problem on the right uh so you can't really rotate the fullback game to game to game anyway they're going to have to do a lot more work 
um, as it stands. The centre backs, I, I mean, Vertonghen is is starting to look really creaky to me. I'm not sure this left back experiment is going to work. But there, there are other kind of issues with um, players in our team not looking like the physical specimens they once did. Kane's obviously the one that's been um, cited a, a, a lot, and I think that is. I think that's valid, but also, you know, Dyer can't rely on his fitness like he used to. Harry Winks can't rely on his fitness like he used to. So even the players that aren't necessarily old are kind of problematic physically um, in some respects. So giving them less work seems like a sensible way forward, I think. Definitely. I think that when Pochettino was talking about, you know, um, what's the phrasing used about about sort of drastic changes, a painful rebuild, mm. Um Partly that is, yes, players are getting tired of him and players are getting tired of his workloads. But he also has this general preference for young players because they can handle that higher level, higher intensity workloads. If you look at him and then like sort of other similar managers like um, Klopp in terms of training intensity, they predominantly work with younger players. Um, Yeah, again, partly because you have to have that sort of... um, youthful recovery rate in order to keep playing under him but I think quite possibly because that style of intensity just breaks bodies down and footballers are like finished by the time they're 28 um, because that you just take on these muscle injuries and, and impact injuries from you know full pelt running into each other all the time um, and from a squad building perspective from an ownership perspective is that maybe a manager you want in in your squad if he's going to run all of your assets down to to a half life? I mean, you're really shitting on Pochettino here. I didn't expect this. No, <laughs> that I don't necessarily agree. I I just think that it can be an interesting lens to examine things. I think it's mm. an interesting question, um, uh, and something that as time goes on, it will be easier and more interesting to look back on and it'll be fascinating to see if Mourinho references this at some point because I mean if if he believes it to be a thing he he definitely will reference it <laughs> he won't he won't shy away from um from making comments about squad burnout I'm sure um let's go back briefly to the United game what do you think Mourinho would have learned from this match <laughs> um even if you're in desperate needs a Winks and Sissoko midfield just isn't gonna do it yeah, and I think if he could have his time again, then Ndombele would start if he was fit or, you know, Oliver Skip even could have started and added something to that midfield. It's just not a viable option. Um, It's really, it's just really not a viable option. You, you can't do that, particularly in a game away at Old Trafford, where you, you're probably going to have periods where you need to sit in and just weather the storm. They're not capable of, of defending effectively. Um, What did you make of Vertonghen this evening? Um... Uh, yeah, no, no particular strong thoughts. I do think that, yeah, if he was beginning to age too much to play centre back under Pochettino, then even playing, um, under Mourinho as a fullback is, is, or, you know, a very defensive fullback is, is going to be an interesting thing. But I think if you look back like, um, I don't know what, nine months, maybe not even that to his Dortmund performance as a, like, aggressive wing back, um, I think that he is particularly suffering from what the whole squad is suffering from, which is, yeah, going back to the conversation we just had, where you're asked to play uh, uh, play and train at a very high intensity um, in across multiple sessions and all that sort of stuff. And then if you aren't um, applying yourself because you don't um, buy into the current manager, then you sort of get the worst of both worlds, which is you don't build up the, the right level of fitness and you're not fresh either. So the whole squad... And that's what we've seen from these late drop-offs towards the end of game. Not not so much tonight, but across the first three games, as you're seeing these these um, 
drop-offs where after 70 minutes we're shattered because the the team isn't fit. I do think that we will get there. So I think the Vertonghen question, like with the Dyer question, I think that is one to have in sort of a couple of months' time, probably six weeks' time to sort of see how their fitness is coming along. Yeah, I think that's a very sensible take. I... I um... I was kind of, I was really disappointed with his performance, if I'm honest. I, I thought his passing was absolutely atrocious. And I kind of, um, I thought when Davis got injured, we've got a ready-made replacement here and it solves the problem of who we play at centre-back because it means that Sanchez will continue with Alderweireld and Vertonghen can just slot into the Davis role, use his excellent distribution to feed balls into midfield like Davis did in that first game. But that did not happen tonight and... You know, Daniel James gave him a bit of a nightmare as well in terms of. I mean, he just looked so sluggish up against James. It was it was not pretty to watch. James will do that to lots of left backs, I'm sure. He's lightning fast. Um, I suppose we ought to touch on how just how good Marcus Rashford was. I I think that might be one of the best I've ever seen Rashford play. Yeah, I think. do, Do 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 you recall seeing him that good before? Probably not. Probably not. Especially like um with when he's not been given like so much room to run into behind which is where he generally thrives at his absolute best the fact that he was was playing like that mostly in front of of a defense you could say that that's his best performance um i do think that we defended him poorly as a team i did too but he had this kind of aura about him um where he would get the ball and just have time and space and then you'd find that Sissoka would be dragged over to him and Aurier would be there and he'd still have time and space. And it just, it really struck me that he is now looking like the elite player that he promised to be. Um, I was very, very impressed. Um, the first goal, though, are we blaming Gazaniga for that? Um, yeah, well, no, because not entirely because, like, we allowed Rashford to get the shot off uh, in the first place. And you could be really leaning on... on um, on Paolo and say that the the shot swerves horribly in front of him um but like yeah it wasn't like the highest xg chance and he's he's mm. failed to cover right in the bottom corner he he took it early rashford because he was able to and and that probably caught gazaniga slightly off guard but having got a hand to it he should have kept it out having said that he did make some really good saves in this game so it's 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 wrong just to sort of say we lost because of gazaniga um we were outplayed any... in this yeah game. yeah i mean we were the yeah not not as much in terms of xg not as much as it looked on the eye so 1.48 for united to 0.54 for us okay so about a about a two one game basically uh so the scoreline was about right um but it kind of just felt that way because we were so hapless at times in attack um having said that we had that absolute moment of magic from delhi who is just completely rejuvenated and, and trying things again uh, i personally thought that that touch and finish probably up there with the crystal palace goal he scored <laughs> big shout yeah, the thing about the Palace one is it's two touches. It's two feathery, gorgeous touches. Yeah. Um, but it's the lack of space that he has to work with in this instance. He's catching so many players off guard with his with his um, flick and turn. He, yeah, the the intelligence and the appreciation of space is just it's just beautiful. He, I don't think there are many players that could have done what he did in, in that moment. It was such a great goal, and I really thought it was going to be ruled out for handball. Oh man, yeah, yeah. I... It was a tight call. 
I, I, I don't think it should have been a tight call, but it felt like a tight call. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, if if you're calling that as handball, the the rules say now, from an attacking perspective, if the ball touches your arm, it's uh, it's handball. I I think that that rule has to like acknowledge the reality that your arms are attached to the sides of your body. You can't like <laughs> like if the ball hits you in the side of the arm and the side of your arm is attached like. It is, you know, it's like a leg before wicket scenario, yeah? If your hand is in the way of your body and the ball is going to hit your body, you've not gained an advantage. Mm. But it's not, though, is it? It's black and white in terms of an attacking sense. That's that's the that's the that's everyone's frustration with this new handball law. It's uh, kind of going a little too far. Um, so is there anything else to talk about in terms of this game or do we just move on? It was horrible, wasn't it? <laughs> it was really bad. I think that it is worth moving on at... I'm going to say some things probably later about the Bournemouth game that are quite negative, but I think specifically for this game, this is a big ask uh, in terms of Mourinho, and I I don't mind giving him the pass on, you know, having your fourth game in charge being at Old Trafford. That's, you know, you could give him a pass for this. Mm. And I do think we have to acknowledge that although United haven't been good this season, they did play well tonight. They played really well. Uh, All of their players played the best they've played (laughs) for a while. And, you know, they were motivated to play against their former manager, I'm sure. (sighs) Doesn't make it much easier to take those. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, okay, let's talk about Bournemouth. What did you make generally of that match? Well, uh, I I was there for that one. I was um, behind our goal for the, the first half and their goal for the second half. Um, uh, I enjoyed it because um, I got to see a win in person for the first time in quite a while, but I wasn't as high on it as everyone else. Okay, and why was that? I think because... Um, Already three games into the um, Mourinho era, I was beginning to see um, the, what's the word? The like, the deprogramming of the ideas that had been achieved under Pochettino in terms of attack. There was a lot of long ball and it worked wonderfully for us twice. It did. Uh, But then equally it failed to work against United. It did. <laughs> and, and, and I presume this is what you're getting at. It's like when you're playing long ball, it's it's high risk stuff. So high risk, high reward. You, you're completely gifting possession away if it goes badly and you're allowing a team to then rebuild and rebuild. If it goes well, you can catch a team off guard and you can score two goals like we did against Bournemouth. And that's great. And we really did catch them off guard. We really, that was a great example of like the um, synergy of the sort of two different managers here where like we pass short and slow, short and slow, short and slow sort of lulling them into that sort of full sense and then bam long catch them off guard the thing is 
as that short and slow thing uh, disappears and the idea of there being any threat behind our short play gradually dissolves into the distance and all we have to create is the long ball and the working across out wide, teams will only need to be switched on for that threat and then we will lose that sort of diversification of attacks, which is where we're in this sweet spot right now um, and we will just have punting the ball at Delhi from a distance saying, Delhi, please receive this, flick it over the defender's head and, and make something magic happen out of nowhere. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. And I think the only way we're going to get kind of that short passing threat back is by playing probably either Ericsson or Lacelso. Would you agree? Um, that would certainly help. Like, uh, take a, a positive sit back and like talk about like um, the West Ham game. Like, that was a game where we didn't play with Ericsson or Lacelso. Um, like we played with Delhi as our most creative player, and we created a lot of chances. There's that, that was like a a real a real positive there. Um, but I think that uh, you can say like if that's the sort of the the foundation, and you add a, a true playmaker on top of that, then surely that there's there's room. But I I think that the system the systemic possession play will dissolve underneath, and it won't matter that much, or it won't be enough to have an Ericsson or a Celso in the team if they are like like we saw previously at United with Mourinho where Pogba there was their only means of creating any goals and it was just you know please make all of our attacks for us and and carry this immense mental burden of being the sole creator on this team and I think that that's not if we look at Ericsson's history with like shirking away uh, in times of need, if he becomes the one who has this huge mental burden, he will shrink. You know, he he will fail to deliver. I suppose the counter argument to this is that it's been four games, and yeah, he's he's had such limited time with the players so far, and there've been a number of injuries. So we have to give him an opportunity to establish his own build-up patterns, his own methods. We've already seen pre-game, he's kind of making those those rectangles on the training pitch where he's trying to do something. He's trying to install some kind of philosophy that's that's different to what Pochettino is trying to achieve. Um, I think we just have to trust for a while that he's doing that and, and it will take some time to, to, to be clear to us. Um, I, I guess that the starkness of the long ball makes it sort of stand out because it's something that was apparent in Pochettino's early um, early Spurs teams with Alderweireld in particular and, and Delhi on the end being a thing. But we've, that's not been a thing for a couple of years, really. So to see it suddenly back was both exciting when it first happened and then tonight kind of a little frustrating because it was just constant. Um, let's talk about Delhi briefly. How, how do you feel about his resurgence? Is this, is this simply a timing thing or do you feel like this is a direct result of the way that Mourinho is using him? Uh, no, I, I think it's 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 Mourinho's man management predominantly. I do think that there was a, a sort of a, a strong timing coincidence there where he was just sort of coming back into it. Um, but he then he definitely took like a leap between the like Everton and West Ham games, didn't he? Um, and also, yeah, also the change of, of context he's playing in that in that we have had some more control over games and he's had um, better service. Um, but yeah, I, I think mostly the change of manager mentally has has given him a confidence boost or a, a kick up the backside or a combination of the two that is just making him um, perform as if any surrounding context is irrelevant. So four goals and an assist in the four games so far, and he's probably been our best attacking player in definitely, every game. Definitely, um, you, you can't really, you can't have hoped for any more than that in terms of um, in terms of Delhi's kind of resurgence. Uh, do you think that comes at a cost with other players though? 
Uh, possibly, yeah. If we we go back to what we were saying a second ago about like um, possession ideas falling apart and 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 reliance on a limited different means of attacking plays, and, and similarly, if like um, Delhi is the attacker um, and everyone else is just sort of falling to his service and and his ideas, then then yeah, uh, then if everyone else becomes secondary, both in like um, actual planned um uh drills ideas but also like um emotionally if he's the man and everyone else can sort of fall by the wayside that way yeah it's such a tough one isn't it this <laughs> it kind of reinforces how difficult it is to keep an entire squad happy and yeah. what a good job Pochettino did for basically 3 years of achieving that and and therefore you can be quite forgiving when it comes to Pochettino's final year where it seems to have crumbled somewhat but ah oh, it's tough it's really tough particularly when they're not your own players these are inherited players and and that brings me on to Lo Celso and Dombele and Sessegnon we had loads of questions about those three. Um, Ricky from the Fighting Cock said, Do Cess and Dombley and the Celso have a future at Spurs considering their lack of involvement to date? Um, I I wouldn't worry just yet. I, I guess, like, we would like to have seen Ndombele today, but um, no, and he's been saying, like, the right things about Cessignon, obviously, um, but I would, I would say just... Give him a while to experiment with with his lineups and and see who he wants to put where and and with who. I think it's too like there's been a lot of reaction about La Celso. Oh, La Celso's at the team. Oh, we're not going to buy La Celso. It's gonna he's going to go back at the end of the loan. All that sort of stuff. And I think that like it's it's too early for that under a new manager. I, yeah, I agree. I definitely think La Celso could start on the right in the next game though. Yeah. Um, I think there's no reason not to start him on the right in the next game because. I personally don't think Lucas has been that great. I also, as well as Sissoko did against um, Bournemouth, I don't think there's any drop-off in playing the Celso there. I actually think the chances are he'll improve us significantly, so it's worth worth testing. Uh, you know, it, when you could even you could even play Sessegnon on there. Yeah, yeah, or <laughs> Ericsson. But I, I would, I think definitely Burnley. You want to get. Um, one of Ericsson and the to win for that one, don't you? Yeah, you don't want a blunt object in that game. You need players who can think and cycle the ball and tempt them out of position because that's you know Burnley is so stubborn and so dogged. Uh, they, they they will head and hack everything clear for ninety minutes happily. That, that's the dream for them. That's that's kind of how they want. That's what they want to reduce you to yeah. a team that will just chuck balls into the box out of desperation. Uh, if we go down the long ball route against Burnley, it won't end well. Let's put it oh, that way. God, imagine. And what have you made of Aurier so far under Mourinho? Um, yeah, I guess that this was his first sort of um, non-brilliant game against United tonight. Um, yeah, we, we talked about it in the last episode. Sort of, you, you mentioned the idea of uh, his role being simplified. I definitely buy into that. Um, I don't know. I still think that like there are very much mistakes within him, um, and like uh, there are still like catastrophic mistakes within him. Um, but I think if you can get him down to like two or three red cards and penalties a season, then 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 there's a footballer there. Mm. Yeah, I'm. I was thinking about this tonight, and I think he has done really well so far in the, in these four matches. I actually thought he was one of the better players tonight. Okay. I know he um he he definitely switched off for the opening goal. Like I would say that first Rashford goal is at least fifty percent on Aurier for me because he just stopped tracking his man, and that is to a degree in. Excusable. Having said that, he actually did some pretty good things on the ball. Um, and what I was thinking to myself was, he's basically playing as a right winger. Um, would we be better off just playing a right winger in Ori's position? <laughs> 
Like, if you want to play Sissoko wide, play Sissoko there, and then play the Celso ahead of the... Do you know what I mean? It's like, he, he's that bad defensively that it's... It's like it's it's pointless to worry about having him as a right back because he's he's an awful right back. But if he's playing right wing, is he better than an actual right winger? I don't know. I don't know. That's that's what I was going over in my head when I was watching him play today. Anyway, um, um, it's tough. <laughs> uh, he's he's not going to pick Walker Peters. I, su- I I suspect he wasn't even on the bench today. He's been on the bench a couple of times, but if he was going to play him, I think he'd have played him by now. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the the being removed from the bench is is a is a pretty deadly sign for him for his squad position, isn't it? It's not good. He's got to go in January for his own sake. Um, and then we have Son. So Mourinho said a couple of days ago that he's fallen in love with Son, and there's been lots of uh, talk about how a player with Son's high work ethic and positivity and attacking flair that it will be well suited to a Mourinho team. Do you buy into that one? Yeah, so the two of us independently picked up on the number of tackles he made against Bournemouth. Uh, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> Uh, and also like specifically that he was making them like deep in his own half he's playing this sort of like the the defensive left winger role um which you could argue is like not the the best use of his talents like if he's gonna stop getting in towards goal where obviously he has some like creative finishing especially first time and all that sort of stuff but um yeah i mean it's definitely working out for him generally at the moment isn't it i feel happy with son um he's got better as the season's gone on i i do think he's one of our best players now and, and one of our he's, he's our clutch player isn't he he's yeah. like he's he's our player and, and like delhi is now as well like you do trust them to pull something out when others aren't playing well it used to be kane every time um and, and kane's still capable but son's you, you kind of put money on son to do something when the when the chips are down um do you want to talk about Kane? Yeah, uh, this is this where I was. This is where I was leading. Okay. It, I would say um, I I thought from the first game that what we see from Kane now under Mourinho is a much more uh, limited number nine game, and that's not what's happened. Like he's dropped back deeper and deeper over these past four games to the point where today, um, and maybe it's because the midfield was so horrendous, but he was basically in midfield for, for a chunk of the game. Um, and that's not where I want to see Kane. It's very simplistic, but he's a he's a brilliant striker who is at his best when he's in the penalty box getting shots away. And if we're putting him in a position where, okay, sure, we know he's got very good creative vision and passing, but if we're putting him in a position where he's not going to get an opportunity to get in the box and get shots away, we're limiting both his best attributes and our own potential goal threat do you what do you think yeah no i I, um i think it's probably more out of necessity than um poor design i think that Mm. i think that we've seen not in the last game but generally we've seen a a a Tottenham who can get the ball into the right areas and he isn't there because he can't get there in time and yeah and I think that like he is failing the test right now Uh, the test being are you the same player you were before you were injured and then Tottenham became bad yeah I'm not willing to say that just yet because I want to wait for us to have a proper functional midfield then I'll I'll feel like I can make a a firm judgment either way um I'll tell you one thing though I don't want Kane to play against Bayern Munich no so 
Are we fixed into first and second qualifying for our group? I should know this. <laughs> yeah, I believe so. Okay. I, I think we need some full-on rotation against Bayern. Uh, it's, th- there's still some time between um, Bayern and the, the horrible run of the 22nd, 26th, 28th, okay. three games in, in six days. But after Bayern, we play Wolves on the 15th. Yep. We, you know, Wolves are a really good team and they're just coming into their peak at the moment. What we don't want is to play the sa- the best 11 in both of those matches. That, that would be a huge error i basically want troy parrot to play against Bayern. i think yeah i would be up for that I, I essentially i don't care I, I, like obviously for fans who travel to germany they want to see and like forked out a ton of money and everything they want to see their team represented um mm. but from a purely uh strategic point of view yeah i would keep kane and delhi in england um and and use this as a chance to experiment with the side and, and see what you know talking again about um, Mourinho sort of having to learn about the squads in real time yeah you know give Cessnion and Lo Celso and, and everyone else a, a run out to, to see what they're, they're doing exactly exactly all right Nate we'll leave it there mate um, I, I feel like there's going to be a lot more talking points this time next week um, particularly if they do if they if they do rotate some players it, it could be could be quite interesting to talk on that um, yeah tonight was not fun <laughs> I feel really down after that because I kind of talked yourself into it I, I i yeah i really had and i've been really enjoying basically everything that Mourinho's done so far and then i see this team selection and this performance the thing i've got to to, to resolve myself with and, and to tell myself is dyer must have not have been fit and dyer is a really important cog now and then perhaps i could feel better but just the, the idea of playing with soko again upset it really upset me <laughs> Maybe we'll buy a defensive midfielder in January, Chris. How about that? That would be lovely, wouldn't it? You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindner for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, D. Lindner. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.